Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It is Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, what Mitch McConnell's absence means for GOP support for Ukraine. Number two, a new effort to put Saudi Arabia on notice. And number three, the latest on how progressives are trying to push banking reform. All right, Jake, let's get into it. We have talked a lot about how Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell's uh, absence for some health issues following a fall has put uh, the GOP in a, in a different position, particularly when it comes to just floor management, uh, member management, but in particular, uh, his absence is being felt very acutely when it comes to the new uh, kind of revived effort on the 2024 trail with President, former President Donald Trump and now uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, staking out the same neo-isolationist position on Ukraine, uh, there's little doubt that McConnell would be speaking out vociferously against a trend that he has described as dangerous and naive. Yeah, this has been, he's not been a one-man band on this, but he's certainly been the most prominent voice on uh, keeping funding going to Ukraine. I mean, he pushed back against Trump, uh, as you mentioned in the past, and and I, I would say that his wing of the party, McConnell's wing of the party, which is, I would say, the overwhelming number of Senate Republicans are um, against uh what Ron DeSantis said in a very serious way. If you if you remember, DeSantis likened uh, the war in Ukraine to a territorial dispute with Russia and suggested it's not a vital national security interest for the U.S. Um, that is a um, a position that that few Senate Republicans hold, and um, letting that kind of sit out there and linger, which I don't I don't think is going to happen. I think people will bat it down is something that um, something that McConnell would just would not, you know, let happen. And he is he is the most prominent voice on this. And remember, so just an update on where McConnell is. He um, he fell last week um, and uh, had a concussion, according to his office, and also bruised his ribs uh and is or sorry has i think fractured his ribs is the way to say it um and is in rehab for at least a cup at least a week could be more than that we don't know the information flow is um it's always very limited out of mitch mcconnell's office it's even more limited now than it is in in usual times um and uh you know Congress, the the the, the Biden administration—that's the administration we have right now—is um, going to come back at some point to um, uh, ask for more funding for Ukraine. Uh, we've, I think, we've spent about 112 billion dollars funding Ukraine in the last year or 13 or 14 months, and um, there's going to be more where that comes from. And Mitch McConnell uh, would be the uh, the the leading voice on that, and and remember, this isn't only in the Senate side. Speaker Kevin McCarthy uh, has said he will not approve a blank check to Ukraine. Um, no one is suggesting a blank check is in the mix, but um, uh, this is going to be a big issue. I mean, voices like like Trump and DeSantis are very influential in the party. Uh, there's no question about that, especially as 2024 Anna uh, comes near. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what this just on the, if you kind of zoom out even further, uh, in particular, you know, I think the, the Senate Republicans are feeling this right now when it comes to Ukraine. But Mitch McConnell has been a backstop on a lot of uh, the more fringe ideas of the Republican Party and where sometimes the base is, particularly when it comes to January 6th, um, you know, kind of taking to the mics on sometimes even a weekly basis to bat things down. Um, you know, and I, th- I think the question, we've been watching this for a long time, you know, is, is is who else will emerge, right? And I think what's interesting here is in the top of Punchbowl News AM that you can read uh, as a free morning subscriber, uh, we have a lot of different Senate Republicans, you know, kind of just commenting on on his absence and how it's being felt. Um, and, you know, I think the, the big question is going to be who today, who this week and potentially even next week, if McConnell remains out, kind of steps up to the plate here. Is it Senate Minority Whip John Thune? Is it uh, John Corn and the Republican from Texas, two that are often described as potential McConnell successors. Um, just a dynamic that that we're going to be watching extremely closely uh, going forward. I would also just note that for the first time in a, in a week, we're hearing that people have been texting with McConnell. So right. um, I don't think anyone has spoken to him. No, no one. Let me put it this way: no one that we found has spoken to him, kind of with their voice, um, as as uh, one would say. But they have. A bunch of people have suggested that they have uh, uh, swapped text messages with him. So I, I guess that would be a relatively good sign uh, in the um, uh, the rehabilitation of the 81-year-old minority leader. All right, let's run to the number two story of the morning, a very interesting item by our very own Andrew Desiderio uh, on a bipartisan effort uh, by senators to unveil a never-before-used tactic to target Saudi Arabia, Jake. Senators Chris Murphy, the Democrat from Connecticut, and Mike Lee, the Republican from Utah, are unveiling a resolution this morning that could lead to a vote altering the terms of the U.S.-Saudi relationship. Uh, This is a resolution that would request a report from the Biden administration on the Saudi Kingdom's human rights record. The Foreign Assistance Act of 1961 allows Congress to require that the State Department produces such a report uh, and pushes thing, you know, kind of a whole procedural process uh, in, in place. Yeah, it would it, they uh, it would then come to the floor 10 days after its introduction. If the resolution clears the Senate, who knows if it would probably would uh, the administration would have 30 days to submit a report to Congress. If it misses that deadline, uh, all security assistance to Saudi Arabia would end Um if the report is submitted on time, Murphy and Lee could force another floor vote, uh, this time on a resolution to cut off or otherwise restrict U.S. security assistance for Saudi Arabia. That measure would need a simple majority, too, and it would need to pass the House before going to Joe Biden's desk. Could it pass the House? Um, I don't know if it could. Um, I think it would be it would be an interesting vote. Um, and uh, listen, this is, gets into a larger question here that's kind of been an Two, two larger questions that have been a kind of age-old questions when it comes to both security assistance and Saudi Arabia. Um, number one, I think the um, the vibe on security assistance overall uh, has, uh, has waned. I mean, I think people are sick and tired, senators and members of Congress we talked to are sick and tired of spending a bunch of money on countries that are um, – uh, 
either that we don't always agree with. Saudi Arabia just was the linchpin in a deal between or China. It was a linchpin in a deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran, which are now uh, realigning after decades of not aligning, I would say. Um, and furthermore, um, uh, you know, there is just a I think there's just a tiredness, uh, a wariness is the word I'm probably looking for about this kind of security assistance. That all said, the Saudis just are obviously a critical uh, ally for the U.S. in the region. Uh, and just a couple days ago, Anna, just yesterday, I believe it was announced, it was reported a couple days ago that um, Saudi has bought dozens of Boeing airliners, Boeing 787s, jumbo jets. Um, for a, uh, a new regional, trying to create a new regional uh, powerhouse in the aviation, the commercial aviation business. So uh, a complicated relationship, you know, uh, for sure. Absolutely. And also just, I think, an interesting role that you see Chris Murphy playing here often, an ally of the Biden administration, a strong voice when it comes to foreign policy. Uh, the fact that he is part of this, this joint effort, uh, I think just reflects, right, this bipartisan frustration to your point of how the Biden administration has handled the U.S.-Saudi relationship, you know, Biden promising this reset. Obviously, it's a very complex situation. Um, but, you know, I think even further kind of frustrating, certainly members of Congress was the, the Saudi decision to cut oil production last year, even though Russia's invasion of Ukraine had caused prices to soar. So, you know, a multi-layered um, kind of, you know, relationship. And, and I think this is just a way for that you know you're going to see uh, senators potentially flex on this administration about what they're doing uh, when it comes to to the relationship with the country, as well as the, the 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 fact that they have a really abysmal record when it comes to human rights. Let's move on to the number three story of the morning: progressives. They don't need to build a shape bank policy. They are doing it full steam ahead, Jake. Yeah, very interesting. Um, we, we, this is kind of a zoom in on uh, Elizabeth Warren and the deregulation or the um, the pullback in regulation. Depends how you look at it. Uh, in 2018, 2018, a bunch of Democrats, including Mark Warner, John Tester, Tim Kaine, Michael Bennett, Debbie Stabenow, Gary Peters and Joe Manchin voted to um uh, to loosen regulations on uh, on um, uh, banks um, and and kind of mid-sized banks, uh, the provision in this bill this was uh, this is this bill's getting a lot of mileage. Anna S twenty one fifty five. It is uh, this is a bill like that a, nobody uh, knew really until this week, and now everybody's well, it's like uh, part Brendan of the nomenclature. Peterson, Brendan Peterson, our our great financial services reporter, definitely knew about this bill back in the day, but um, the. Uh, it 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 had a provision in it that raised the size threshold for banks requiring the strictest supervision from 10 billion to 250 billion now these are the kind of supervision we're talking about are some of these more arduous tests about capital capital requirements and stress tests the um the uh tests of, of a bank's health. SVB and Signature Bank both had between 100 and 200 billion dollars in 100 billion and 200 billion dollars in assets. So uh, at, at two things are happening at once here. Number one, these moderates that voted or I, you don't even have to call them moderates. These Democrats that voted for this 2155 back in 2018 during the Trump era are defending it still, which is amazing to me um, because not because I have a particular view on the policy, but because these two banks went down and it doesn't even seem like at this point they are 
um, suggesting that maybe their vote was ill-advised, which I, a lot of members of Congress, I think, in a typical situation, might. Um, and uh, number two, um, Elizabeth Warren and Sherrod Brown, the banking chair, Democrat of Ohio, are talking tough on um, on regulation and on the need. And not, I don't want to call it a victory lap because it's not a victory lap after a bank collapses, but it's a victory. It is a it's time to do the stuff that we said we wanted to do, period. So that's a, this is going to be a continuing narrative on the Hill uh, over the next uh, couple months as Congress continues to wrestle with these these bank failures. Yeah, I, I think what's interesting, though, too, is uh, to your point, the fact that you have these Democrats standing by their support uh, for this S2155, and they're not, they're not breaking from it, right? So I think as much as there's going to be a ton of um, tea reading, uh, tea leave reading in terms of what is Warren want, what is, you know, Sherrod Brown going to do. Um, you know, I think Brendan Peterson, we had a brown bag lunch yesterday with our, for our premium members kind of put it well, like we don't like, we're like in the beginning of this, we're not at the end of it, right? No one really knows if there's going to be other potential bank failures. Uh, but he also talked a lot about, and I think it's important to know as much as you're going to hear kind of the, you know, certainly Elizabeth Warren is very good at kind of having the megaphone when it comes to these issues. But it's oftentimes, I think, overlooked the role that the regulators have here and the fact that certainly I was with some people, you know, yesterday talking about this where, you know, the, the regulators under Joe Biden are at, um, oftentimes more liberal or more progressive than when it comes to the Obama administration. And so just what they can do, how they can try to kind of set policy, enforce policy, where they're focused uh, is going to be something that I, I think deserves a, a lot of um, scrutiny as well. With that, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, if you like The Daily Punch, please share share it. Tell your friends. It's the best way for folks to find out about us. You can also subscribe to our free morning newsletter at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.